Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. We have a really special show for you today. We're talking about your divorce. That's right, we're talking about you leaving your spouse and getting on with your life. I know you've wanted to do this for a long time. This show is gonna help you. No, that's not what this show is. That's not what this show is about. If you're looking for that, you've come to the wrong place because today we're talking about how you can be at the top of your game in a field that often will burn people out. And we're going to talk about how you can source the best clients in an area of law that most people would prefer candidly not to even talk about it unless they're gossiping. I have one of the best of the best with me today. I have Katie Michelson with us, and she's one of the best family law attorneys you're going to find in the U.S. She's probably the best family law attorney in Chicago. And if I have other family law attorneys on the show, maybe she'll move to number two. I don't know. You're just going to have to wait and find out. No, I am kidding. Katie, it is great to have you here. Welcome to the Inside BS Show. I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of months, and you're a terrific person. You're very open and giving, and you share a lot about your personal life and the practice of law. So welcome, and I can't wait to talk to you about it today. Thank you. You've teed me up well. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I, I really want to, I want to jump right into the hard stuff first, the difficult questions first. So you're a second career lawyer, and I have a theory about second career lawyers. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but second career lawyers bring, we'll call it a unique perspective to whatever practice area they choose, but second career lawyers tend to be more, I find, appreciative of the practice of law, and I find that they really are passionate about what they do. Has, has that been your experience? You know, I think it's it's funny that you say that because I, I definitely feel that it's given me a perspective that probably I would not have if I wasn't, if I was just fresh out of law school. I mean, I, it, I'll i tell you, you know, I, I always tell people this, that one of the hardest things for me, because I, I used to work in public relations. So I worked, you know, when I got out of college, I went to University of Michigan and I decided I was going to um, obviously become a professional to my parents' happiness, that I wasn't going to be just living at home. Um, you know, my goal was to go into public relations and it was very sexy. It was very exciting, you know, to do events and I did some really cool things. I mean, I did consumer products. I did media tours. I met some celebrities. I had unle you know, unlimited budget. It was kind of the time where it was the nineties and everybody, um, you know, wanted to spend money and there was kind of no limits. Um, so I was in charge of a lot and, and was funny when I went to law school, it was like a huge blow because not only was I one of the older students, I went full time, like a full time student. Um, I didn't go night. So that, because I kind of wanted to get it done in three years. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to become a lawyer. Um, it was somewhat of a rude awakening, um, to be graded. You know, I was I was used to managing millions of dollars and I was being told, you know, you need to write this and get an A, B or C or whatever you were doing. So the process of law school was really, really eye opening. The process of being a lawyer has been fabulous. And what I have loved about it is, you know, I've been able to pull on a lot of great experiences I had pre-law. And that makes me really unique in a respect that I, I there's, think there's a maturity, there's a kind of a life experience. Um, and yeah, I, 
I do this purposely. It's not like I said, oh, I got out of college and I'm just going to become a lawyer. You know, it's it was not a default. Yeah. So there's I whenever I speak from the stage to a group of lawyers, there's there's a kind of a, a joke, but it's a it's actually a fact I share with them. And, you know, in a, in a survey, I used to work for the Gallup organization and Gallup did a survey and they asked people why they became lawyers. And the number one and number two reason was, number one, I didn't know what to do when I graduated. And number two, I didn't want to go to medical school. I, those are those are real answers. And that's why whenever I meet a second career lawyer and I have a conversation with them, I always find that there's a there's a there's an appreciation for the practice of law. There's an appreciation for the business aspects of the practice of law. And there's also a true desire to, it's part of the mission and purpose of who they are. So with that being said, Katie, why did you choose family law? So, you know, you, you were in business, you could have been a transactional attorney, you could have been a, a business litigator. Why did you choose family law? So this is going to sound kind of trite, but, you know, I came from a really exciting career and I wanted my law career to be exciting. You know, I, I, so I, I, I'll just say this. I kind of came to law school somewhat kicking and screaming because my father um, uh, is retired now, but he worked at a very large law firm managing their real estate, uh, commercial real estate practice. And, you know, he was doing transactional work. Um, and it was really come hell or high water, I'm going to do transaction. You know, I looked at that and I thought, mm, you know, it's just, I come from a really, really active area um, of practice. I'm doing so many things that are creative and interesting. So I thought a lot about what do I want to do? You know, who I am as a person? How do I relate to people? Um, what are my strengths? You know, I've always been a good writer. I've always been a good communicator. Um, I did think a lot about doing entertainment law because I thought that that would be a good segue into doing um, between my public relations background. Um, I even thought about legal marketing. You know, there was a time period where I thought, okay, well, maybe I should just combine that. And then when I was in my third year of law school at Chicago Kent, I took a, uh, a family law seminar. And, you know, yes, I got an A in the class. And that was not why, because I wanted to be a family law attorney. But what I really found was that it was so interesting. And it took a lot of the attributes that I had already I felt like I had already developed as a professional because, you know, when I was in college, I was a sociology major. I dealt with a lot of issues as it relates to human behavior, um, reading people, reading populations, really kind of understanding what it was like. And I thought, what a great opportunity to come in and actually be a counselor for somebody, not in the sense of, you know, from a mental health perspective, but really to be somebody who is guiding somebody. And, and I thought, you know, what a great area of law to do this now. Had I known, I mean, did I know coming into the profession really that it can be very tumultuous? Did I know that it can be draining? I think people hear that, they know that, but until they're actually in the, the area of, of practice, it's really, really hard to explain. I get a lot of new attorneys working for me and they're really excited and I want to encourage that excitement, but you know, the moment that they get a really stressful situation with a very needy client, I think that perspective changes. Um, but for, you know, for me, that 
kind of went with the job. I mean, I thought, well, you know, I want something that's going to be constantly learning, interesting, um, and really, can I make a mark in it? You know, family law felt to me like I really, I'm not going to say it's because I wanted to change someone's life. I inevitably changed someone's life as a family law attorney, but the ability to really kind of come in there, counsel people, make them feel that they have more information, they're more empowered is a very empowering feeling for me. And family law, in addition to the fact that it does that with people's specific issues that they're going through very, very serious, specific issues. Every family is different. It calls on so many different areas of law. So you have to somewhat be a generalist, but then also really good at it being a family law attorney. So I just thought it was a really, it just kind of, and no pun intended, I'm going to say this, it really married all the, all the, I really didn't plan that. It really married all of the um, the attributes about being an attorney um, between court involvement, thought process, client um, care. Now, you mentioned it, you know, it marries different different aspects of law. Also, I think, and I, and I want to get your take on this, it marries legal skills with psychological skills with emotional counseling skills because it's your job it's your role to get your client through this process with you know their financial in the best possible financial shape in the best possible psychological shape and without having some sort of an emotional complete and total breakdown so you have to bring uh, an entire spectrum of skills to the table what, how do you uh, how, how do you handle that aspect of the job and is it is it different from the beginning all the way through or are you wearing all three hats the entire time like is it is there one stage in the beginning where you know now we're talking about finances and in the middle oh now we're talking about psychological and at the end now we're talking about emotional or is it all three all the time I think it's probably all three all the time I mean things things happen quickly. So, you know, I, I think that I, I do tell people, I, you know, you don't want to hire me as your therapist because I'm really expensive and I have no experience. So that's, you know, that's not who you want to, to be, you know, giving you therapy. It's also not my job. You know, I'm, I, I'm here to sometimes bring the bad news, um, do so in a way that, and one of the things that you've kind of hinted at is it, it's promoting dignity. There's a, there's a, there's a dignity that I think a lot of people lose in this process. And I'm not going to say it's always smooth sailing, but to the extent that I can provide an element of dignity to people financially, emotionally, um, from, you know, they feel more in control of the process. So I think that it's really an ongoing, evolving relationship. So when when I have client intakes, you know, I always tell people to make sure they're hiring the right attorney for them, because that that roller coaster that you just talked about, um, it it sometimes can go on a very very long time. And you know, when I'm dealing specifically, because I, I deal with all aspects of family law, so you know, anything from you know prenuptial agreements to to, to postnuptial agreements to divorce to modification parenting. Um, some really kind of unique issues like grandparent visitation and um, some more uh, issues regarding um, uh, assisted reproductive technology. And there's some other things that are going and on. I would imagine now it like COVID vaccines, one spouse wants it, the other doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just what you needed, right? Let's throw that in the mix. 
Right. And, and, and I, and I, you know, I know that the intention of this, of this show is not to, you know, advise people, but there is a myriad of, of issues that are going on. But I say, you know, when we're, when we're really talking about this process, you have to find the right fit for you because the, the problem is, and a lot of it, you kind of mentioned this in the beginning that a lot of people wouldn't touch. You said it more artfully than me. I would say a lot of attorneys wouldn't touch my area of the law with a 10 foot pole. You know, they say, I don't, you know, they say, I don't, don't want to do it. It's too much. It's too emotional. Um, and it is sometimes very emotional. And so you need to find the right attorney that can guide you and understands those ups and downs that won't take it personally. Um, there's going to be yelling. There's going to be people being upset. There's going to be confusion. Um, and you, you, you have to have the backbone for that. Um, but you also have to provide a service because remember, we're in a service profession. So there's a, you know, there's a, a, a very delicate balance that you need to go through with your clients. And so kind of a, a very lawyerly way of answering your question, you know, the w- ver- in a very long manner. I think it's throughout the whole process. I don't think any case is the same. I don't think any person is the same or family situation. And therefore, no emotions or needs are going to be the same. So you have to kind of go go with the flow. Let's let take us inside the room where it happens. I love that phrase the from Hamilton and you're you're now you're sitting down with your client and you're you're going to you're going to your first settlement conference with your client, right? How do you prepare your client to sit across the table from a person who arguably they cannot stand right now and they feel like has made their life hell, but Putting it in perspective, if you have children, someone who's going to be a part of their life in some way forever, how do you prepare your client for that? I, like, I think about the first settlement conference, and maybe they've been living apart for a period of time, and you know the person is just starting to get their wits about them. They're just starting to calm down. What words of wisdom or what preparation can you give them for the first time they walk in the room and they have to sit across from this person, and they want to do anything but do that? So one of the first things I say is be prepared. Um, I, you know, I, I sadly, I see a lot of situations where I don't know if it was, you know, it happens a lot in family law where I don't, I think people sometimes fly by the seat of their pants. And that can be really dangerous in a situation when you're dealing with human emotions and families. So being prepared, obviously, is a big first step. That varies with every, with every you know, conference case, but really kind of understanding what, what your facts are. Um, and part of being prepared, and this is a really a key thing is knowing thy enemy. I don't even call people that, you know, I really don't really not, I'm, I'm kind of doing it tongue in cheek, but I'll say to my clients, what kind of person is your spouse, partner, father, mother, whoever it is, we're dealing with this, you know, what's, what's their MO? How do they see the world? Because when you negotiate, you have to understand who you're negotiating against. So, for example, if somebody is, you know, I, I get this word all the time. Oh, so-and-so is a narcissist. I mean, I feel like it's a very overused word. Um, it's it's a very easy to um, put somebody in a category. And I don't think that people can be put in categories like that. But for illustration purposes, if I have somebody saying to me, so-and-so is a narcissist and blah, blah, blah. I'll say, okay, well, let's talk about the attributes. Are they somebody that likes to be in control? Is it somebody who um, 
you know, the only way they negotiate is to kind of hear themselves. Let's think about what kind of person they are, because then you're able to identify how to negotiate with them and how you're coming in in a way that's not swinging, but it's effective. I mean, one of the things I always tell clients, friends, whoever, is that strategy, you know, being strategic. You don't need a really, really loud family law attorney. You need a strategic one who can really come forward with good ideas and have meaning behind those ideas. So part of that is knowing who you're negotiating against and their style of negotiation. I mean, that's that's key because if I have somebody who needs to be in control, for example, and this is just an example, I might say there's certain things that maybe we want to give that person where they feel like they've won. Things that aren't as important to you. So let's talk about some things that maybe you can already know is, is really in your po- you know back pocket that you would give knowing the kind of person you're dealing with. Also saying, you know what, this is a person, if it's a, if it's a parent, will be, you know, will be present in your child's life for the rest of his or her life. So we can't create a situation where there's not going to be an ability to ever see that person again. So, you know, put your blinders on, set aside your emotions to the extent and let me do the talking. Like if there are times that ultimately you can't represent what you want to say without effectiveness. I'm, I'll be the bad guy. I'm happy to step in. Um, I also will tell people, you might think that I'm trying to befriend your spouse, partner, whoever. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to maintain integrity and be respectful because they will respond better to me. If I have control over the room and I'm speaking to them in a manner that puts them on an even plane, because that then causes people to break down and it causes them to then kind of really take seriously what it is you're saying. So you might mistake me being friendly. And of course, there's always a fine line. You have to make sure that you know who you're representing, but that there's a strategy behind that, that it's that that the reason that we're doing that is we're trying to get us something. We're trying to leave the meeting with something and you have to understand who it is you're against the table, you know, you're across the table from, You need to be able to approach them in a way that they're not going to immediately get up and leave. Um, And you have to remember that you're going to have an ongoing relationship on a go forward basis, especially with. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's good advice. Now, the first victim of uh, family law proceeding, at least in my experience, has been or is the truth. Right. How do you when a client first comes to you, how do you figure out what they're not telling you? Because there's, in most cases, I would imagine there's something that they're not telling you. I mean, I'm sure you have great clients and you love your clients and I'm sure they're all honest with you to some degree. And at the end, I'm sure they're honest with you about everything. But in the beginning, I'm sure there's something that they're leaving out. How do you get to those people and say, I can only do my job well if I know everything, right? Because this is this where there, there's, there. I tell people all the time, having been through a divorce myself, there's two times when you are completely naked. The first is when you're having a physical examination by a doctor. And the second is when you walk into your family law attorney's office and you have to tell them what's going on and why you're there, right? So how do you get them to tell you everything when that's the last thing they want to do. Well, I, I think you've already hit on it once. I say, point. I'm a very blunt person. And I will say, you know, when I'm, when I'm interviewing clients, because I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me, um, I, will, I will tell them that, you know, 
I need you to tell me, always tell me the truth because I can I can explain away facts. I can explain away facts, but when your credibility is put to test because you haven't been truthful, your reputation, it, it goes in the toilet and it's impossible for me as, as good an attorney I am to rectify that. So it's, it's really important not only to be truthful to me, but to be truthful to the court, to be truthful to the other side. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's always a difficult thing because everyone's truth is a little bit different. So when you say truth, it's really kind of a version of experience. It's their perception. It's their so perception of what happened. Yeah. It's, it's often a perception. Um, I mean, if I have a client that's full on lied to me, I'm not going to continue to represent them. I, I tend to, to look very um, carefully at what people say to me because I know it's, it's tinged with their experience and it's, you know, colored in biases and it's sometimes going to seem like a mistruth, but it actually is, is a memory or perception. Um, but in order for my relationship with my client to be a working relationship that's productive, that helps them if they have to be telling me the truth. And I, and I will say that. I'll say the one thing that I can't stand is being lied to. It sounds like I'm talking to my kids, but it's true. Well, and, but so and then address the omissions, right? Because some people will say to you, yes, but I didn't think it was that important. I didn't think you needed to know that. Right. So so you got to you got to hit him in the mouth and say, I need to know everything. So even if you think I don't need to know, you need to tell me. Well, and a lot. Another reason why I need to know is I and I will tell clients this as well, is that I need to know, because if I'm hit with a surprise by the other side, I have to be able to know what it is that they might be alleging or, you know, what what could be up their sleeve. I might not disclose that information. Of course, if if it's confidential and it's privileged, I'm not going to disclose the information. But potentially it might be something that I want to front and to soften a blow or to because it might be made worse out by the other side than it really is. So let me be the judge of that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not here to judge my clients. I'm here to help them make sound decisions. So at the end of, um, you know, at the end of the day, they have as much control over their case from that aspect. Um and they need to take advantage of that and they need to have enough of a trust in me so that I, they can say, okay, she's, she's going to do the proper thing with this information, but it's very difficult to represent somebody who's not going to come to the table with everything that's going on. All right. So I'm going to ask you this question and then I'm going to ask you to take a minute and think about it. Let's, I, I want to get into ongoing behavior that is, let's just call it unproductive, right? So in every, in every marriage, there's, there's, you know, sometimes people grow apart, but oftentimes there's some sort of behavior that has become the precipitating event to them showing up in your office, whether it's infidelity or drug use or alcoholism or just, you know, having, having a, having a breakdown, having some sort of psychological or emotional breakdown. I want you to tell folks that aspect. I want you to explain to folks that aspect of your job. And you said you're not there to judge your clients, but when there's behavior that could be detrimental to them moving forward, or even more importantly, detrimental to family, like, you know, for as far as custody for children and that sort of thing, what does a family law attorney do? What do you do in that instance? 
Hold that thought for just one minute. I need to let folks know that we are brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. So we're talking to Katie Michelson today, and Katie is a family law attorney, and Sandrowski Corporate Advisors actually does a significant amount of work in this area. So if uh, a family law attorney, whether they're in Chicago or really anywhere in the United States, needs help with valuing assets like a business or valuing the family assets, if the family happens to be a family of means or uh, there's an affluent individual in the family and they need someone to look at the financials and place a value on the assets in general, this is the perfect time to call Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. You see, for over 35 years, they've been handling situations just like this. And not only can they look at the numbers, give you an honest valuation, they can also testify in court to that valuation in a way that, and I'm gonna say this in a whisper because who knows who's listening, even a judge can understand it, okay? The Sandrowski folks can even help a judge understand complex financial information. If you need help with this sort of thing, I need you to call 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. We all love our judges here, especially Dave Lorenzo and Katie Michelson. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. They can help everyone understand financial information. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. If you are a professional, you're a lawyer, CPA, accountant, consultant, you wanna grow your practice, you wanna increase your book of business. Well, I'm gonna give you something for free. I wanna give you my guide, my revenue roadmap guide, my business development guide, and I wanna give it to you for free because I appreciate you listening, I appreciate you watching us on YouTube. Do this for me, go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact information. You can download the same guide that I use when I work with my clients to help them build their book of business. You can customize it for yourself. My gift to you for joining us today, revenueroadmapguide.com. Go get it right there. Okay, so Katie, talk to me. There's ongoing behavior and you notice it because you're working closely with this client. How do you have that conversation? Well, I, of course, if it's a, if it's something that's putting a child at risk, if there's something that is, you know, ultimately going to cause a credibility issue with the court, of course, I'm going to have a conversation with my client about stopping that, you know, um, what I do is not only dictated by just common sense, but it's also dictated by statute, by precedent. Um, by the way our courts have ruled. Um, you know, certainly it's important for me to keep all of that in mind when I'm advising my clients. Um, so, you know, I need for them to stay in line with what a court's going to look at when making decisions. So when it relates to child-related issues, for example, you know, a parent needs to act in a manner that is in the best interest of a child. So what does that mean? You know, and and again, that's a very subjective perspective, but obviously making sure that a child is cared for in a manner that is considered their best interest, not placed in an environment that's seriously endangering them. And, you know, even if, even if behavior is happening outside of a child, um, it reflects on judgment. And so I, I say to, to my clients, while I have to be sensitive to it and understand, for example, I mean, you referenced addiction, you referenced certain things. And I have clients that have issues with addiction or mental health issues. Uh, Doesn't mean they're not loving parents. It doesn't mean actually that they can't take care of their child. 
but we have to t- we have to talk about how do we best address it and get ahead of it. I mean, it's really really important for there not to be a narrative about a client that's that precedes them. And so, what are some of the things that we can do that ultimately help somebody in the instance of addiction or mental health issues, help somebody get themselves in a good place, but also for the best interest of their child and to make sure that you're having a, a di- I, I make sure I'm having a dialogue with them nonstop on that. Um, you know, so recommendations, I mean, during the process is, you know, to the extent that you can be, um, you know, before you get to my office, you know, being as transparent with your spouse as possible if if we're dealing with a a married couple in terms of um, goals, concerns, communication, that sort of thing. I mean, a lot of times you had mentioned that people just end up growing apart and so forth. A lot of, I think, people come to me when they they just, there's a non-disclosure, a non-sharing of certain information, um, be it how we raise our kids, financials, um, you know, anything that we're dealing with. So to the extent that that information can be shared um, among partners, I think that that's a really, um, it's an important step to maintaining that trust. Um, inevitably, you know, humans are humans. You know, people drift apart, people change. Situations happen. Now, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, it's really kind of how you deal with it and how you think that either you can heal or really, at this point, you just need to kind of to move on. Um, I'm happy to explore those issues with people. I want to get my clients help. I want them to be in a good place. I want them to feel good about themselves. Maybe they don't feel good about themselves right then, or maybe they're upset about the situation. But I love seeing my clients down the road and them telling me that they were okay. I mean, that's that is to me is the most successful outcome of a of a family. Talk to us today. now about. The 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 moment, the turning point that takes a um, recalcitrant client and all of a sudden they uh, like it's it's like a moment of clarity and the light bulb goes off over their head and they're like, just give it to them. Let's just get this done. And I've, you know, I've had friends, I've had family members. I, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I've gone through a, a divorce myself, albeit 23 years ago, but you know, there's a moment when you realize that the, the fight that you're in is not the fight that you, that you wanted. And you as a family law attorney can sometimes make that happen. I mean, speaking for myself, it was my lawyer who said to me, I I don't know why you're going down this path. You don't, you know, this is not you. This is not what you want. Why don't you just, you know, we're going to go into a settlement conference. I'm going to let you speak. And why don't you just explain to your now ex-wife what you're willing to do and see where that gets us. And, you know, to me, that was the light bulb moment where I was like, well, he's right. I, I, this is not what I want. I just, I want this to be done and I'm willing to do these things, which, you know, we seem to feel is fair. And that was the end. That, that, was the, that was the beginning of the end. And by the end of that meeting, it was the end of the end, right? How do you, as a family law attorney, get your client to that point? How do you make that moment happen? So when I, when I have my original, my first client meetings, um, one of the things that I like to do, and sometimes this is even in an intake, I like to say to them, if you could be divorced tomorrow, this is a divorce situation. If you could be done tomorrow, whichever kind of family law issue, what does it look like to you? I mean, 
let's fast forward. Okay. So tell me, what does it look like? How do you picture it? I like to revisit those goals during the process because I think if somebody can say, now, sometimes those are not always realistic and we can have conversations about whether those are realistic, but a lot of times they're fueled by a feeling. Um, a lot of times that feeling is just to be done, um, to, you know, kind of think about it in general terms of what you see your life like. So when a lot of my clients get mired in the weeds and, and the details, I often will take them back to those goals because I'll say, I'm not minimizing anything that you're feeling right now because I'm not living in your body. I'm not in your house. I'm not living your day to day, but you don't want me to be because that's not a a good use of, 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 you know, your, your resources, meaning me. So let's kind of go back to those goals. Let's go back to this picture that you had painted to me at the beginning And without saying that I'm insensitive to how you feel or some of these things that have bogged us down, let's get us back back on track and let's get us to the point where we can see, you know, the whole whole expression, see the forest for the trees. But let's kind of get back to that moment where we can say, is this stuff that important? I mean, I'm sure, you know, as somebody who's gone through the whole process, you probably remember, maybe you don't, I don't know if this went through with your process, but you know, we have situations where people fight over personal mm-hmm. property. Yeah. That's what my, my whole, I this was and, before I had kids. It was my whole, my, our whole fight was, we, we were married for eight months and we had two investment apartments yeah. together in Manhattan. And that's what the whole fight was about. So, you know, those are, those are actually quite, you know, those are larger assets. I'm also talking about people fighting over furniture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the dog. I, you know, yeah, uh, it, the dog, well, the dog, I'll tell you, I have a dog. Yeah, so I have, dogs I have are, two, are, I have two dogs. We, everything we get from now, everything we get like from now clothing. on, we're getting in twos. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's very stressful for people to, when they're going through this, and then all of a sudden it's, it's oh my gosh, you know, this table, this table, this table takes on this giant meaning. What is this table? And I have to say, you know, I'm not really shaking my clients by the shoulders, but I am saying, guys, you know, please let's, let's again, let's go back and look at what it is that we are trying to, to, to accomplish here. Let's go back to what it is we are looking at. These things have meaning, but they're not going to help you get where you are. So there are things that you're going to have to let go of. There are things that ultimately you might not want me to say, or you don't want to hear me say, but I'm going to say it because that's why you hired me and it's my job. And I'm going to tell you to get you back on track to what those goals are. These are the, these are the things that we need to think about. And like you, I have a lot of clients have that aha moment. Not going to lie. Some are just tired. You know, some are like, I'm just tired. I, it's been a long, it's been a long haul and I get it. Um, but really when I'm really I never want my client to give it to throw in the towel because they're tired. I want them to feel that they made a decision. And it was based upon actually really thinking it through and saying, it's time. You know, I want to I want to think about this in a way that makes puts me in a better place. That's an that's an empowered client. They still might be tired, but it's an empowered client. Yeah, I you know, having seen I, I, I've seen a couple of uh, a couple of people handle these situations in ways that. Uh, one way that I thought was admirable and another way that I, that made me understand what I never 
wanted to experience and I'll share them with you. And I want to hear what your kind of what your, you know, thoughts would be if, you know, if somebody finds themselves in, in this, in a similar situation. So one of my client, one of my clients was, um, one of the most respected attorneys in the state of California. Uh, in fact, one of the most respected attorneys in the United States, he had tried cases in front of the U S Supreme court and he, he got divorced from his wife, lived in California, got divorced from his wife. And at the time, he his children were all grown up. They were out of college. Their college was paid for. What he decided to do was he he said to his, his then wife, he said, listen, if you decide you want to get remarried, we'll get divorced. If I decide I want to get remarried, we'll get divorced. In the meantime, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay off. And he, obviously, these are people in means. I'm going to pay off this house. Uh, you know, the deed will be in your name. Um, you tell me what you think is fair from a monthly, from a monthly standpoint. And she told him and it was a lot of money, but he said, fine, I can handle it. You'll get that every month. The, that spouse didn't work. You, so the, so he was the working spouse. He said, you'll get that every month for as long as I work. And then when I retire, if we're still not divorced, we'll, we'll revisit it. He was, you know, 15 years away from retirement at that point. And he said, and then when we go to get married, you know, we'll, when we go, when one of us wants to get married, we'll have to formalize this. But my commitment to you, and I'll put it in a, you know, in a separation agreement is that it will never be less than what it is right now until I retire. And then it will be reduced by the percentage that my income is reduced. And she was like, fine, it was perfect. And they, they lived with that arrangement for eight and a half years. And then he meets somebody else. He goes, he decides he's going to get married. The, the ex-spouse was totally fine with it. And when he went to get married, they formalized the divorce and everything, you know, pretty much remained the same two very mature people who had lived, you know, an entire lifetime together, raised three great kids. The kids were adults. Fine. Second scenario, husband and wife work together. They're both lawyers. They both decide they're going to go and practice together. And in the agreement, when they went into practice together, they decided that uh, because they were both my clients, I was going to be the arbiter of anything related to the business if they ever decided to get divorced. Well, they decided to get divorced and it was three years of hell for all three of us <laughs> fighting over the pencils on the desk and the mouse pads and like almost every little ridiculous thing you can imagine. And for me, just for my own peace of mind, I, you know, look, if I had the means, I would be the first guy all day long and twice on Sunday. And he knew he could go out and make more money. He knew he was able to continue on with his life. But these two people, my point in this whole story, and I want to hear how you can paint this picture for your clients. My point in this whole story is these other two people, they're, 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 their divorce is finalized now, and they're both very happy apart, much happier apart, and they're both successful in their own right apart, right? But they could have gotten there in like six months instead of three years. They could have gotten there by just, you know, the settlement that they came to, both from a business perspective and in their, in their personal marriage, it was easily predictable right from the beginning. How do you get your client to see that up front so they don't, and I hate this expression, but it's so true, throw good money after bad, chasing something that is so apparent at the beginning? So all I kept thinking about as you're telling me this story is it's such, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of, of losing your biggest asset, which is control. So you can value everything in the world, but when you lose an asset of control, you've lost. 
um, the, the, I don't care how well off the first couple is from my perspective, they kept control over their personal situation and decided this is what they want to do. You know, if, if, if somebody came to me and suggested this and I looked at it and I thought, you know what, it's not unconscionable. It's not something that ultimately anybody's being coerced or forced into entering into. It's not lopsided by any means because you said that this person is, was going to go ahead and make money. The individual, you know, this is all based upon, um, I think, a, 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 a mutual respect for each other. Um, I, I, I applaud the, the, the first couple. I, in terms of the second couple, I understand it because I see it all the time. And I don't see, I don't see anyone winning because at the end, you know, they always say the best kind of settlement is a settlement where no one's happy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the process has to be so painful. And I'm glad to hear that they're doing well and better, um, you know, um, after everything that's happened, but I, I, I find it, it, it saddens me because I do think that there's a control issue that those individuals lose. And um, it's something that I encourage my clients always to keep their eye on. All right. So give us um, give us a couple of thoughts on what we should look for when we're hiring a family law attorney. So, you know, there's somebody out there right now that's that's going to listen to this podcast or, or when their spouse goes to sleep, they'll watch this YouTube video. And what they're looking for is, you know, they're listening to the podcast while they're working out in the gym or walking the dog or, you know, they're they're watching the YouTube video. They're sneaking it, uh, you know, under the covers while the, the spouse next to them is asleep. What should they look for? when they're, when they're hiring a family law attorney, how should they, how should they make that decision? Um, I think it's certainly, um, fit. It is, um, philosophy of practice. So you need to find somebody who mirrors your philosophy of practice. Um, ultimately, um, what your goals are and can, uh, state those goals really clearly and concisely. They're not the family law attorney's goals, they're your goals. Um, so obviously having somebody who mirrors that is incredibly important. Um, so that to me is, is, is part of the process. You need to be interviewing and finding somebody who really, really reflects your, um, your priorities in this process, because it's going to be a long relationship. Um, do your homework, you know, come to a meeting prepared with questions. No question is stupid. Um, I say to my clients, nobody gets married to get divorced. They don't know what the process means. They don't understand it. Ask questions. Ask questions of an attorney's process. Ask uh, questions about the process. Um, you know, ultimately come prepared in, in that first meeting. And I, I do think, know that it's not going to be a smooth process and there's going to have to be some adjustments, there's going to have to be um, a flexibility. And sometimes an attorney is going to say something that you might not want to hear. So you have to be open to the possibility that there's going to be times where it's going to be difficult to hear certain things. It's going to be difficult to um, 
understand why certain things should be important and shouldn't be important. And so therefore, you know, having that open mind to go forward in the process, those are really some important things to think about when you're hiring an attorney. Okay. So um, I was going to ask you, I, I had on my list of questions, what makes you different from other family law attorneys? But I think, you know, we've spent 40, I don't have my glasses on, but I think 44 minutes now. And we didn't, we didn't talk about one legal theory. We didn't talk about the law. We talked about clients and their emotional needs. And if you asked me, and I, you know, I know you a little bit, I don't know you very well, but I think it came across really well today. What makes you different is the emotional connection you will make with your clients and that will benefit them when they're going through a very difficult time. Would you agree? Is that, is that what you think makes you different? Being connected to my yes, clients? Yes, on a, on a, you know, on a personal level. I think you, you know, you're, you're not, if, if, it, if it hasn't come across to people by now, then they're completely void of any emotion, but you're not a sterile, you know, <laughs> attorney. You are someone who connects with people on a personal level. Yeah, it's, it's, you have to connect with your clients on a personal level. You also have to be a really good listener. You know, from my perspective, listening is one of the most underrated skills of an attorney. And especially in family law, I think my ability to listen and hear my clients is is unique. And I do have clients saying to me, when I talk to you, I feel like I'm your only client. I mean, what what could be a better endorsement of of your skills than having a client feel that they're being heard and that you're listening to them and that your full attention is on them. And to me, that is such an important, important attribute to have. So I think that sets me apart is my ability to do that, to make people feel heard, to make them feel comfortable and to make them feel protected in the process. And that's through either information or you know, being an advocate for them in the right situations, being calm, um, being strategic. I think all those things, I'm able to accomplish all those things. So it's, it's been really a great ride. All right. So now I'm going to ask you to think about three things people should take away from our time together. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. As I remind people that we're brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors for over 35 years. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has been helping people with business valuation, litigation support, forensic accounting, risk management, you name it. Sandrowski has been helping them do that. Now, if you are a professional and you're listening to this and you need help with a business valuation, Sandrowski are the people to call. What I want you to do is I want you to reach out to them at 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. They are my clients, but I've also introduced them to other clients who are lawyers all over the country, not just where their offices are in the Midwest, in Chicago, and in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. They've worked with my clients everywhere. They do an outstanding job. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. 866-717-1607. Also, don't forget my Revenue Roadmap Guide is my gift to you. Go get it now. It's free. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Get your free business development plan there. We're talking to Katie Michelson, my friend and an excellent, outstanding family law attorney in Chicago. You can reach her at 312-621-4382. Her email address is in the show notes. Her bio is also in the show notes too. All right, Katie, what are the three things we should take away from our time together today? 
Well, I feel like there are so many things that we discussed, so I'm going to try and narrow it down. Um, find the right counsel for your family law matter. Um, it is essential that you find somebody who is aligned with you from a philosophy of how you want to be presented to a court, to an opposing counsel, to an opposing party. So that fit with an attorney is really, really important. Um, from a perspective of career development, do something that excites you, that motivates you. I mean, you know, it's so easy to fall into the expectations of what, you know, you should be doing. Um, life, you know, nobody ever wants to be a what if person. I always went by that philosophy. I don't want to think that down the road that I have done something because I was um, too frightened, too frightened to, or, or didn't have time. So, you know, don't be a what if person, embrace what it is that you um, want to do uh, and, and do it and, and go into it. Um, and one thing that actually we didn't talk about, but it is something that's really important to me, establish relationships with people like you, with individuals, because the, 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 the relationship building aspect of being in any kind of service profession is, is based upon trust. It's based upon conversations like these and really being able to get to know people so that ultimately, you know, that whole process, the reason why I think I've been as successful as I have been is I've made it an F, I've made it a priority to connect with people and to say, here's what I offer. Here's how I can help. I'm not expecting anything in return, but you know, I, I have a, a passion of connecting with people. So while we didn't really talk about business development, which is fine, it is a huge part of what it is that we do as successful professionals. So having that connection with other individuals who can be your mouthpiece, I think is key, is key to getting the respect, getting your clients um, and maintaining your reputation. Yeah, you know, so it's it's funny that you that you say that and we could actually do a whole show on that, I think. And there's this is, you know, this is something that people in the top tier of the legal profession get that people in the lower or mid tiers don't get. And what do I mean by that? I'm gonna be very blunt. Cheap lawyers don't understand the value of relationships. Expensive lawyers, lawyers who command a fee premium, they understand the value of relationships because they get hired because they're recommended by other people who folks respect. So if you see somebody who's, you know, got a got their face on a on the side of a bus or they're on a billboard or they're spamming you on LinkedIn, you know, that's somebody who doesn't have enough relationships right there. I can I can promise you that. So that's that's fantastic insight. We can actually we could actually do a whole show on that, but I I wanted to I wanted to take this time to help folks get to know you because I think that is, you know, what we did here today, I think that is what really separates you from everybody else because you know, any other family law attorney or most other family law attorneys I talked to, this would have been, you know, a clinic on the practice of law and what you should do when you go into that first settlement conference. And it would have been, you know, if you go to mediation, here's here's what you should do and what you shouldn't do, right? Instead, what did we do? We talked about the human aspect of the practice of law. And Katie, that's what gets you hired. I think that's what makes a huge difference. So I am grateful that you are here. Thank you so much for joining us. Katie Michelson is our guest. Thank you very much for joining us today, Katie. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. I want you to reach out to Katie and call this number 312-621-4382, 312-621-4382. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.